learn Spanish from menus, mostly. Quesadillas, por favor. Huevos rancheros! <laughs> Mamma mia! <laughs> Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 68. Today, yippee, the seminal 68 episode. Today, we're talking about toddler TV time. Again. One more time. (laughs) We've got a little bit of new information that we wanted to add on to the discussion. Uh, But first, let's get into the updates. Um, Mm. you've, You've got Coda, and I heard that you have another kid now. That's that's true. That is not just a rumor. That is a fact. There are two. She is Emma. And she's 2.5 weeks old. Yeah, it's confusing. How do you how do you classify a baby's age? Because right now we're in her third week. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're counting, then she would be two and a half weeks old. Yeah, I'm, I'm always confused by this. It's the same problem really as like. Yeah, do you start on zero or start on one? And it's what leads to, like, in the U.S., you say nine months pregnant. In Japan, you say ten months pregnant. Yeah. So counting thing. My take on it is you can start with the days. Imagine your kid's born at 11.50 at night. And then just within a few minutes, you're not going to say, like, well, she's on day two. You know what right. I mean? So I think that the date of the birth has to be a zero. And then... Right from the next like the full day when you get that first full day then you'll say one day old that's what i would think too you gotta spend time as zero no matter what anyway she's two and a half weeks in her third week it's also the same thing of like the 17th century is the 1600 like that kind of thing you know that's true more of the same problem when are we going to address this nation's true problems time time (laughs) finding centuries defining days old Where's the politician who speaks to my interest? Frankly, right. I don't see him or her. They are nowhere. Anyway, Emma, a two and a half week old, is uh, is doing really well. It's been, uh, it's been a good couple of weeks since she's been home. She's gaining weight like usual. We had her two week checkup just a couple of days ago. Yeah, that was the first time she'd been out and about in a car again since she came home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went well. Uh, no issues. That I wasn't present for that because it was kind of a weird. I'm going to mix up my kid updates a little bit. Coda on that day had his year and a half checkup, mm-hmm. which we scheduled or they scheduled for us at like 1 30 to 1 40 p.m. Mm. And then the two week checkup for Emma was that same day, but 3 30 p.m. Oh, that's handy. So it was like a well, it wasn't really because <laughs> like we had Moe's mom here watching Emma while we took Coda to that. Like, it's just an office. It's not even like a hospital or health center. It's just like an office building that you go into like a conference room mm-hmm. and then they do all that stuff. So we went there with Coda and did that stuff and then kind of rushed through it a little bit because they just bring everybody in at the same time and then. So then Moe, we had to come back home. Moe switched to go with her mom and Emma to their two-week checkup. Yeah, we did Nico's one and a half year. And that's like a town thing, right? It's organized by the city or the town. Yeah, it's a city thing. Okay, you go to some like city facility. Um, Yeah. I guess that's Japan-wide. 
I'm of the mind that I never need to go to one of these again. Uh-huh. Because I feel like they're so pointless and kind of like a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Like they gave us this questionnaire that's I don't know how many questions, maybe 20 questions long. You probably got the same one. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, can your child say his name? Can he say anything? Oh, yeah. Can mm-hmm. he point to stuff? Can he do this? Can he do that? And I think I don't know if it's like every child's different, obviously. So those aren't going to be filled out perfectly. Mm-hmm. But it's also like you're growing up in a dual language household. So the all of the language ask questions that they ask are going to be negative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless they're Nico, because he, he seems like a savant to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he will not stop with the talking. That's true. Yeah. But... I mean, Coda's talking a bunch, but he's not saying anything in Japanese or English yet. So yeah in their mind in the questionnaire it comes across negatively and then you know you take those questionnaires and then you're like oh is something wrong with him so then Mm -hmm. obviously you go to google and you're like well this is just making me feel worse yeah (laughs) because apparently everything on google just leads back to autism (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's actually the tagline of google so yeah so i'm of the mind that i don't need to do this and then when you go there and you do that stuff like they just kind of shuttle you around to the different stations where they have people set up. And it's like, it's barely a check. A doctor will lift up his shirt, poke at his stomach till he cries and then be like, all right, he's good. I could have told you that. Yeah. (laughs) Another one, this one like kind of pissed me off. They had to do like a fluoride rinse on their teeth. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Nico did this too. I wasn't, I wasn't there for it, but um, yeah, so I can't really fill in. Dude, they're just dicks. Like, Uh You'd think you could find a more kind and like fun way to do this for kids. But no, no, this lady just like pins him down, head between legs, holding him. She's Mm -hmm. got her like thumb on his jaw, just like kind of like holding it in place. Like, obviously, it hurts him. And he's just whining his head off like he's going to die. She's jamming a toothbrush all around his mouth. Yeah. So like you're just sitting there kind of like trying to like make him feel better but he's like he's terrified yeah Yeah. this is the worst experience he's ever had in his life and you're helping yeah (laughs) you're looking on from a few feet away yeah i will say that um i think in society in general there's i forget who talked about this but somebody was saying once that like you know the speed limit is 55 miles an hour Mm. and that speed limit of 55 is actually there to protect everyone from the 5% of people who can't handle driving 65 miles an hour, you know, like 95% of people could go 55 or 65. It wouldn't make that big of a difference, but then there are some lunatics out there (laughs) just like, okay, this is too much for you. Let's dial it back for everyone. Okay. Let's all agree. Let's call it 55. (laughs) And then I think, but I think that's the way with most laws is you make laws because there are some people who like, I don't know, uh, whatever it has to do with drugs or or whatever. There are some people who can do it responsibly and others who can't. And you have to make the blanket law because you can't differentiate between the irresponsible and the responsible people. So then probably this whole thing was set up for like they found out. This is all speculation, but I bet years ago they were like, you know, like 10 to 15 percent of kids are just neglected and we need to make sure that they're not. And so let's have everyone bring their kids. in. We'll give them a check. 
Yeah. So I think um, if you're a good, solid parent, you're probably keeping up with everything that they're doing at the at the health check or, you know, your regular other doctor visits are covering it. But um, it's probably the rising tide, hopefully lifting everybody in society. But it does probably appear as kind of a waste of time for a lot of people. I don't know if they do this in America this way. I'm sure it's more individual, like you just schedule an appointment at your doctor or your dentist. And then you do your, you know, your periodic checkups at those times individually. Yeah. Like there's definitely a different mentality of the way they do it here where they just shuttle everyone in together, put stations up, and then they just have you kind of like bounce around. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel as efficient as it would be if we were like, all right, let's schedule an appointment with our doctor and just go do it there. He would get more time with doctors. He would be you know, a little bit happier, I think, because it wouldn't feel so like there's so many doctors around. He just sees them as scary people at this point. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as we walk in, he's just on edge. Yeah. Whereas if we go somewhere, he might have an easier time with it. One thing I do like is to get the the graph of the weight and height and everything. Um, Mm. Are both of your kids in the normal range for the weight and the height based on their checkups? Yeah, I guess Emma's gaining weight really well so she's kind of gaining more weight than they're used to Mm -hmm. she i think she gained 600 grams i want to say something like that yeah she got up there pretty quick but she's drinking a lot like she'll breastfeed and then moe will think she's done put her down and then she's like crying again ready for something else and we're like all right well we'll try a bottle and then she takes like a whole bottle down Mm. so she's a hungry girl Nico, he did his year and a half checkup very recently, too. We had to delay it a little bit because of work schedule. So he probably did it around the same time as Coda. But on the height chart, he is near the top of the normal range. He's like right on the edge of the normal range. Oh, yeah. He's probably among the taller kids, but his weight didn't really increase much. And so now his weight is trending not down. It's not like losing, I don't think, but his weight is kind of like tapering off and he's getting to the lower end of the, the weight range. So um, that's uh, fine. Like he's still in the healthy range on both. But I think another thing to keep in mind is um, all of this stuff is based on the average for Japanese kids. Yeah. And then um, my wife, she was at the the appointment, obviously. Uh, She said that the doctor was telling her about like, um, oh, you know, for uh, sweets and everything, Japanese people physiologically don't process uh, like the the sugars and stuff as well as like a Western person's body processes the sugars. And so if you can keep them away, cause it is slightly more dangerous or whatever. So even I've heard about this sort of thing before. Really? Where, yeah. Yeah. I had um, a student a long time ago who was a, a cardiologist and he was telling me one time in a lesson that um, the Western diet is more dangerous for Japanese people than it is for Western people. And so he feels like Hmm. he's always advising his patients to really be on your guard about having too much fast food. His take on it was, um, you know, in the same ways that you can see some slight differences in terms of the oh hair, hair is darker and maybe thicker hair on average between Japan and the West. And, you know, the face shape or the eye shape might be slightly different. There's also like percentage differences in the functioning of organs and stuff like that, like kind of Hmm. behind the scenes, internal stuff. And he was, this cardiologist was telling me like, you know, we, uh, the Japanese 
pancreas, for example, processes at like whatever percentage of, you know, very, very fine differences. Sure. But in a big population, it does set you at a kind of disadvantage. But all that is to say that we have mixed kids that, um, and again, yeah. it's not like they're like two times as likely or 10 times as likely. It's like within fine percentages, they're actually supposed to be, say, a bit taller, or maybe they're slightly more or less resilient to A, B, or C. So. Right. Sometimes I think the mixed kid gets put on the the scale of the Japanese average, and then the numbers are not exactly what should be communicated to the parent. I think Koda is probably right at the same level as as Nico is right now. Mm-hmm. Even last time, I think maybe Koda was a little bit taller, even, but I feel like their weight's about the same. Koda just passed over twelve kilograms, which I think he's been like hovering around that eleven. For the mm-hmm. past couple months because he's been like off and on sick oh, okay so it was like he was at 10 almost 11 and then sickness came and he just kind of plateaued there for like two months and now he's finally gained the weight again uh nico is in the same boat i don't think he's past 12 or he just he may have just but yeah he's been at 11 for a long time it's mm. crazy he was like piling on age the, yeah yeah they hit a little bit of a plateau momentarily uh what else before i pass the baton um coda's still not like saying words yet like i mentioned before and it kind of had us worrying before all this Mm -hmm. but i think and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the in the segment when it comes to tv time but there's like this expectation that your kid reaches these milestones at certain ages Mm -hmm. and then they don't hit it and you get worried or they hit it early and you're like, wow, my kid's a savant. But yeah. then by the time they're all like four and five, like most kids kind of even out. And it's like they're all at the same level-ish. Yeah. Like I was talking to one of my friends back in Seattle. And I had forgot this about his kid. But he said his first kid didn't crawl until he was like 14 months. Mm. And then he didn't walk until he was close to like maybe 16 or 17 months, which is super late. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would be worried. I'd be like, oh, wow, my kid's not doing anything in a year. He just sits there. And then he said at the same time, he's watching his friend's kid, who's like 10 months, like climb up couches and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, wow, is something wrong? But then he said, like, by the time they're both four, they're both doing the same stuff and really healthy and active. So you can't gauge these early times so harshly, which is why I think a lot of these questionnaires and these like month and a half checkup stuff is really frustrating because it it makes you really focus on that stuff and really think negatively of it you do have to develop maybe the thick skin to be able to kind of shunt that stuff aside and yeah say like all right i've got the numbers and now i'm going to disregard them and know that he's healthy yeah but as a especially as a first kid mm-hmm. like a, a young parent like you don't know that yeah all you know is Here's a questionnaire where my kid's supposed to be at and they're not like, (laughs) yeah, definitely. When we go through this for Emma, we'll have a a much better understanding of how it works and, and act a lot differently. Yeah. And we even talked about it before. Like we won't let these ladies kind of manhandle Emma the same way they do Coda. Cause it's like, this is our kid. Like you treat them like a product. You're not going to treat them like a kid, like we will. So if there's something that needs to be done, I'm going to do it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I'm just going to get pissed. That's the constant battle. Yeah. Anyway, that was that's all 
my updates my ranting updates yeah. <laughs> this week <laughs> we should change the name of updates to ranting rants <laughs> well nico's rants this week uh there's nothing <laughs> nothing too bad i covered a little bit of the health check stuff he's a tall somewhat slender boy um he has now shifted like before he spent two or three months now a full on abc boy that's all he cares about in life and he's half an abc boy now and the other half is anything to do with the moon whoa and uh he's fixated on the moon like a werewolf or something like he loves them i mean i think it started with the book good night moon and he just mm. liked it and then he referred to good night moon as moon and then i think uh my wife and i misunderstood that for a time and thought oh he just wants to see the moon so then we would take him outside and show him the moon and show him like videos on YouTube of the moon, you know, in different phases and stuff. Uh, and then that snowballed into him being a full on moon fanatic now. So wow. it's half the time is ABC and then half the time is moon. Those are the two main things he wants and hmm. gets very fussy about like wants it immediately. I need the moon, moon. But um, <laughs> he, this was last night, I guess uh, we're in a full moon right now. I know the phases of the moon because I'm looking for the moon constantly to show my child. <laughs> uh, but he was saying moon, moon, moon. And then he points to the door like he wants to go outside and see it. So I took him outside and there was a really big full moon. And mm. then that just sent him into a, a frenzy, like a happy frenzy, you know, to see such a big oh, yeah. clear, full moon mm. in the sky. And he was pointing at it and then. I can tell he really wants to talk about it and really wants to comment on this moon that he's loving so much. <laughs> and he uses all of the words at his disposal. So we're walking down the street and looking at the moon and he was like, big, big, big circle, <laughs> circle, big moon, moon. And he's just shouting it all the way down the street, all the way up the street. Um, and uh, so all of that is to say that he's gotten a little bit more into shapes. You know, he was so into ABCs, we thought we need to get him into uh, stuff like colors and shapes. So uh, we've been showing him, showing him more shape stuff. And now he'll say circle and oval, wow. two of his favorite ones. Um, and then he might get a star out from time to time. But uh, yeah, he's he's a big shape boy now. But still, nice. the ABCs are his bread and butter. And the moon mm. is coming on strong as a second place interest for him. That's cool. And I do think that this is one of those things that parents talk about where uh, having a kid gives you the chance to get invested in something that you may not have been invested in since you were a child. Mm. Or, you know, like your kid suddenly gets into like they love to see monster trucks and you're like, oh, yeah, I used to watch monster trucks when I was like six years. Old. Yeah, I love. Oh, this is cool. Mm. You know, suddenly you enjoy watching monster trucks in your free time. Nice. Um, for older kids but uh for nico now the first thing i think that's really caught on is like actually seeking out the moon and trying to find it and you know identifying that a little crescent is also the moon whereas like a full moon is the moon and figuring that stuff out so hmm. for the last um two weeks or so i've been very aware of where the moon is in the sky at any given time like hmm. from my house and what windows i can see it out of and kind of tracing it through the night and then also the phase of the moon, which we're at probably at a full or just a day or two past the full right now. But it's because he's so incessant about it, then you gain kind of a That's new cool. interest. Yeah, because your kid takes you down that path. And I yeah. think they do have to be probably a year and a half, is at least when it hit with Nico. So maybe this is kind of the earliest sort of, sort of median time 
when that might happen. But then I think you're off to the races after that because mm. he'll be getting into all kinds of stuff for the rest of his life. And especially through his childhood, you'll kind of be following along with it. So it's been pretty interesting. Not that I was ever like into phases of the moon or anything, but just to have to kind of know where the moon is. Like I didn't know that before, but now at bedtime, I need to know which window to go to in the house to try and see it. And that's, yeah. sort of... that's pretty cool. Uh, that's yeah. A little interesting spin on the daily life now. Hmm. Um, but that's all I got. So let's head over to segment. Los segments. Los segment uh, via. Right. Vaya con Dios, muchachos. Vamanos. <laughs> I learned Spanish from menus mostly. Uh yes, por favor. You brought uh, <laughs> huevos rancheros. I did Mama not. Mia. <laughs> uh, we... That's a little Italian, I think. Yeah, that could have been. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I found an article that I thought we could uh, discuss a little bit uh, and ponder. It's a. Uh, it's kind of a an answer to an article we talked about before, not really an article, but like a study on screen time. Mm -hmm. So the original study on screen time basically posited that anything more than an hour up to four hours a day has a negative impact on kids from one years old to four years old. Mm -hmm. So if you're giving your kids early screen time too early, it'll be detrimental to them by the time they're four, basically. Mm -hmm. But this article kind of takes a step back and says, well, yeah, but that article didn't take into account a lot of factors that go along with that, like where these kids are already predisposed to maybe not being quite as well off as other kids, or does the screen time factor in other like educational aspects that they're not considering and that kind of stuff. If uh, anybody wants to read this, it is the title is um, A Better Way to Think About Young Kids and Screen Time by John Herman of uh, New York Magazine's Intelligencer. Yes. So uh, you can check it out online for free. And Mm. he does exactly what you're talking about. Like you've got the data, but as always with data, it's about how you parse it. And then um, he, in this article, was looking at more of, uh, are there some kind of conditions in the kid's life in terms of... um, like, what are the education levels of the parents? Uh, what is the nature of the screen time? Is it educational screen time or not? And mm. uh, what's the income level of the parents and, and that sort of thing? Right. Uh, is it single parents or two parents in the household? And then if you adjust for all of these factors, he's saying that screen time is much less a cause of problems as it is maybe just an indicator of other problems. Yeah. And it just happens to go along with it's sort of like a proxy for other bigger issues in the kid's life. And perhaps it's those larger issues that are actually affecting uh, the kid in a more significant way. Screen time comes across as kind of the red herring where you're like, well, we're going to blame it here because that's the easy one. And it's certainly an interesting uh, second perspective on that topic. Uh, So there was an article published in what's called JAMA Pediatrics, J-A-M-A Pediatrics. <laughs> and like we talked about before with an article or like a journal name, JAMA Pediatrics is like the worst name for your article or for your publication. 
because great. <laughs> Jama, of course, is Japanese for an obstacle or something in the way or yeah. some like annoying thing that's in your path or like cluttered, whatever. You're like, ah, Jama. And it's often said <laughs> in an angry way of like, move it. You know, this is in my way. So Jama Pediatrics, it's like a it's a big old publication that just gets in your way. We should say, of course, that JAMA stands for the Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, just by coincidence, the study was done in Japan. So mm. it was, uh, according to this article, 7,000 parent-child pairs in Japan. Mm. And uh, what that article found is more to the tune of what we've discussed before, you know, previously. Uh, I think the key quote is, that there's a, quote, dose response association between longer screen time at age one year and developmental delays in communication and problem solving at ages two and four years. In particular, Mm -hmm. the study said more than four hours of screen time per day was associated with developmental delays in communication and problem solving across ages two and four years. So um, like we said, what this argues is that it doesn't take into account many other factors. So right, uh, like there was no differentiation between educational screen time and non-educational screen time, which is pretty significant, you know, right. If you're, you know, like trying to learn ABCs, for example, it's probably helpful to see them a million times in videos. Uh, Though of course, all that constant TV exposure could be like doing something else to your brain, who knows, but at least for that one educational pursuit, it must have some value. Mm. Um, Then uh, there are the other things, sort of like socioeconomic things. The quote that I pulled from this article, it said, um, in particular, mothers, uh, this is, I believe, in a single parent situation, mothers of children with high levels of screen time were characterized as being younger, having never given birth, and I assume before this first child that they had, and having a lower household income, lower maternal education level, and having postpartum depression. And Mm. he goes on to write, it would be fair and accurate to headline the researchers' findings in a fairly different way. Quote, study finds developmental delays in young children of struggling parents. Right. So if you're struggling, then you're going to have less of what he calls like that ideal time where it's like nurturing one-on-one FaceTime, playing with and talking to your child. Maybe you just have fewer hours in the day for that, and it gets supplemented by screen time. And because right. you have fewer hours for that, it probably means that there are some undue stresses on your finances. You have to work more. You're pressed right. in other ways socially. And so that's what's causing you to supplement uh, with screen time. I think in a lot of those cases, too, like the screen becomes the babysitter sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Because Maybe they can't afford the babysitter or just no time to go out and do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's as opposed to like some after school care or among the fabulously wealthy, like a live in nanny or something. There's just not the money for it. Right. Um, And then it's that sort of thing that may be having the greater repercussions on the kid than the screen itself. But you still got to factor in that more than four hours of screen time a day. Yeah. So that's quite a bit. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we put TV on quite a bit, but I don't think we really ever exceed two hours combined. Yeah, I think we're in the same in the same mold there. I know he's not watching TV at daycare. And then I think he I think Coda is at his. Oh, really? I think after nap time, they do quite a bit of TV time. 
Oh, interesting. And on Panmon, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Worthless. <laughs> uh, there's nothing like I don't, I've never seen a television at the daycare when I take Nico in to drop him off. So and I've never oh. seen it um, when we've stopped by or uh, seen him on like one of the Zoom sessions or whatever. So I, I just don't right. think they have a TV. But then here, you know, maybe in the evening, but it, yeah, it would never reach anything like four hours. And mm. that does seem a little extreme. As I've always said, my main worry would be just like the pure endorphin rush of colorful shapes and noises and sounds and stuff coming right. from the television. And then you turn that off and then real life sucks because <laughs> it's just not as entertaining and fun all the time. Right. And then your kids got to adjust to that. And I could see that leading to a lot of like bad expectations built into your kid from a young age in terms right. of everything must entertain me. This sucks. I'm bored. And then kind of acting out because of that. Mm. Uh, I can see that getting hardwired into a kid. I think that's like the main danger of it. Mm. But like with everything, it's trade-offs and, you know, there's language exposure. There's um, all kinds right. of educational exposure through things right. like Sesame street and, and what all the uh, article goes on to quote and this is just another hilarious thing from this article that I had to bring up. <laughs> it, this article quotes um, a columnist from the Wall Street Journal uh, who writes a family and tech column. And her name is Julie Jargon. And <laughs> if you had to fabricate a name in two seconds for somebody who writes a tech column, <laughs> you might come up with Julie Jargon. But this is the actual person who writes. Um, and... Uh, Julie Jargon, she writes, researchers from Harvard's Graduate School of Education found no relationship between the amount of time four and five-year-old children spend on mobile devices and their language development when also taking into account household income, parent education, and reading in the home. So mm. they're uh, sort of factoring those things into the equation. It says, and I think this is like a great takeaway, screens, it turns out, are a proxy for family dynamics. Mm. And then yeah. the author of the Intelligencer article takes that one step further and says family dynamics are often a proxy themselves for income, for local and institutional supports, and right. for the work-life expectations of a given economy. Right. So, you know, sometimes there are like pressures on the parent that are adversely affecting the kid, but then sometimes there are maybe simply no ways around those um, Yeah those things that are adversely affecting you in the first place. So you're kind of locked in as the parent yeah, uh, into just, well, here we work 45 hours a week and you've got to commute and there's yeah. nothing you can do about that. So, um, and if you're in, you know, financial straits, uh, living paycheck to paycheck, then truly maybe there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I like the, uh, the last point he makes in that paragraph if you want parents to pay more attention to their kids, help them out a little. Yeah. And I think this goes to society in general. Like there's not enough support for parents out there. If you want them to have kids who then become successful adults and contributing members of society, like mm -hmm. you, you got to do more at both ends of it. And I think you, you've mentioned that before. Well, there's um, also, there's kind of a, a thing that I worry about in this, like sometimes you'll learn uh, maybe an explanation for something or you'll learn a rule that maybe applies at the larger societal level, but then doesn't necessarily apply to you individually. 
And this article gives me that vibe pretty strongly in terms of uh, the idea that um, like family dynamics or say screen time is a proxy for family dynamics and family dynamics are a proxy uh, for things like income and institutional support and that sort of thing, more systemic societal things. Say you internalize that and you learn that and then you think like, yep, screen time is not actually a problem. Here's a cell phone, kid. Right, right. You've kind of taken the wrong lesson from it, I guess. So I think screen time is still something to monitor and to watch. But it it is interesting to know that it's maybe not the fundamental evil in the equation. And uh, maybe you can treat it more judiciously than, say, giving it a hard one hour cap. Right. Uh, or, you know, just saying like, this is good, this is bad kind of a thing. You can maybe figure out ways to work with it rather than just blocking it out entirely. Yeah, it's a tool. Use it in the way that it's supposed to be used, I guess, to help you out if you need it. And to help if you've got to get stuff done, sometimes you need it. So use it. Yeah. But don't just use it in place of parenting, I guess. Yeah. I think Julie Jargon uh, compared <laughs> it to... A candy bar, like, um, would you outlaw candy bars? Probably not. I mean, you can have a candy bar sometimes. Who really cares? Uh, And then screen time is a similar thing. It's probably not something to just fully ban in your house, but something to recognize when it's appropriate and how much it's appropriate and then to kind of meet it (laughs) out uh, in a thoughtful fashion. All right. Well, excellent article. Nailed it. Food for thought. Uh, let's head over to Japati Town. Japati. Let's take a seat on the Japati. Uh, Japanese of the day today is a word that I, I learned a long, long time ago, and it is the word omorashi. Omorashi. And this very dignified, elegant word means peeing one's pants nice and uh when did you learn that before kid? I, le- I learned it uh <laughs> oh it was very important to me years ago mark uh it, well okay. it was just that i worked at a school that I had kids lessons and adult lessons and uh, my kids classes were the youngest ones were four to six years old and you were always on the lookout for a kid uh, just peeing their pants in the middle of everything. Mm. And so occasionally there would be an outbreak of someone peeing their pants and you would hear the word omorashi. And uh, I remember this was in the very early days of being in Japan when I had uh, embarrassingly less Japanese than I have now. But uh, one time I was riding my scooter. I had a scooter at the time, 50 cc's, humble brag. Uh, I was riding my scooter, I parked it at the mall, and then I went in and shopped and came back out to my scooter, and the gasoline was just draining out of the scooter, you know, and uh, it was just like a puddle of gasoline under my scooter, and it was like running out, and Hmm. the tank was totally empty, I mean, it just emptied itself of gasoline, and luckily there was a scooter shop sort of across the street, so I pushed my dead scooter over to the shop. And then the only word that I knew to explain what had happened to my scooter <laughs> was the word omarashi. And I, I told the mechanic that my scooter had peed its pants. And um, he he laughed, but he understood <laughs> what I was talking about. Nice. And uh, he found it was just a hose came unclamped uh, and clamped it back on. And I, it didn't even charge me anything. And I got oh, out nice. of there. 
So omarashi was the skeleton key to unlock that one. Nice. But um, you can make it a verb. It's not a verb already. You can make it a verb by just putting a suru at the end. Omorashi mm. suru. And it has the connotation of a kid just freewheeling, just peeing their pants. Sure, we'll be in those days soon. Yeah. I uh, am no expert in this, obviously. I don't think it applies to our kids who are wearing diapers because you're meant yeah. to pee your diaper. But an omarashi is like a full-on urination yeah. square in your pants. And, I assume uh, so. Yeah. So it's a little more about the embarrassment and the mess of it. And, and that's the word you use. Very good. All right. Well, m'quiffy. Excellent. M'quiffy. So you have mentioned before that you guys eventually want to try for kid number two. Oh, yeah. And I thought maybe my question for you would be, do you want to borrow one and see how it goes? (laughs) You know, this would be... This would be the least traumatic time in Emma's life for us to just take her on for a month or so. Just kick the tires. Um, just see how it goes. Test it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly, I'm maybe a little bit crazy, but I think that that would be like a worthy experiment. If not for all of like the practical like insurance implications and everything. Right, right. <laughs> like, wait, why was this kid in the wrong prefecture two weeks old? Um, ideally, I think it would be like a nice experience for just, you know, expose the kid to a lot of different stuff and, and that mm. sort of thing. I also think controversially, and this was much more common in the old days, but like if you have two mothers nursing at the same time, why not just switch the kids from time to time? Like get the different uh, antibodies and the whole different. Uh, well, yeah. Like, isn't that what a wet nurse? Yeah, I think. So, I mean, it's totally common. Yeah. I always thought a wet nurse, maybe it was for the variety of like antibodies and stuff. I always thought a wet nurse was just like, I'm a, a nanny who can also nurse your kid. So that's right. Awesome. But I just mean like somebody else breastfeeding your yeah. kid. It's a common thing. Yeah. So. So, yeah, the for sure the wet nurse um, does that kind of job. But I feel like now there's a lot of squeamishness about it. Like if you were right. just to like, oh, you're breastfeeding and, you know, you know the person, your friends. And yeah, can my uh, kid have a pull? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they just, it doesn't happen. It seems <laughs> awkward. Uh, that has to never happen in Japan. Could you imagine? <laughs> <It's never happened. laughs> the amount of hand sanitizer. Oh, all, man. Yeah. Uh, it would be, yeah, it's unthinkable here. And I think just social norms in most places in like right. the kind of sterile first world, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of against this sort of thing. But yeah, uh, bring on the extra kid, um, bring on the <laughs> the switching babies and all that kind of stuff. That's fine by yeah. me. It is, uh, it is maybe something like to think about more as you guys get into it more like if I didn't, if we didn't have Moe's mom here right now and both of us weren't off work, man, this place would be way more stressed than it is right now. And yeah. it's pretty stressed. Yeah, I imagine. You're in a full-time three-parent household right now. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's a massive luxury for it's parents. It's so nice. Yeah. And, and it's so stressful. Yeah. Still. <laughs> that's the amazing part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I couldn't. Like sometimes like I'll just be in the living room and then there'll be like Coda doing his thing and I'll see Emma in there and I'll be like, 
holy shit, there's more of them than me right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> they could gang up in any moment. Yeah. Well, maybe like a more uh, doable version of this. The thing that's crossed my mind a few times, I have no answer to this. Maybe I'll return a McQuiffy to you, but it's, I imagine at some point, Nico will spend the night at your house or Coda will spend the night at our house. Oh, like, that'd be cool. I as hope a so. Stay the night thing. And then what age do you think they'll be? Like, do you think they'll be like seven or could they pull that off at like three? I don't know. I feel like they may flip out at three too much. Three might be too young. I would definitely think closer to like four or five. And even even then you might get the tearful call at some point. Yeah. I mean, it depends how much interaction they even have before that and how close they are in general. Like, yeah. Why are you sending me over to this kid's house? Yeah. To see him? I <laughs> yeah. see him like once a year. <laughs> yeah, I barely know this guy. <laughs> yeah. If the kids are really, really good friends, I bet that distracts them through the whole night and into the next day. And then, oh, yeah, you're fine. then it would be totally great. Yeah. So someday that'll happen. The first uh, spending of the night. Mm. That'll be cool. Yeah. But so. we're probably years away. Yeah. Anyhow, daddy jokes. Let's hear them. All right. I've got two. I've got three, so I will club sandwich your jokes between mine. The first one. um, Did you hear about the guy who invented the knock-knock joke? He he won the Nobel Prize. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's red and green and spins really fast? Hmm. Is it not the frog in the blender? Oh, it is. Hey, Did right. we already tell this one? No, no, it's a classic, man. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, okay. I remember that from my young days. I hadn't heard that one before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so brutal. <laughs> Frog in a blender. Frog in a blender. This is a short one. When life gives you melons, you might be dyslexic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I should uh, say for good. clarity's sake, that's not really what dyslexia is. It's just a cheap joke. Uh, what do you call a dinosaur that uses cheap TP? <laughs> huh. Cheap TP. Uh, hold on. Let me think about this. I think <laughs> the joke will hinge upon the word one ply. You're killing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one ply something. Uh, one. Pl- I'm what gonna stop it? you there. Okay. <laughs> a megasaurus. A megasaurus. A megasaurus. Uh, so, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> All right. Uh, I still think the joke should be okay. a pun with one ply. Well, you come back with that one let, next week. Let the record show. Um. There's probably a difference between ignorance and apathy, but you know what? I don't know and I don't care. (laughs) Excellent way to end this one. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on the site formerly known as Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at thejpops.com. Talk to you next time. Pizza time.